Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Parkview on the Spot. My name is Nathan, one of the pastors at Parkview, and I am joined by my friend Chad Negley. What's up, Chad? Dude, it's so good to be here with you. It is a gorgeous day. We're in Darien, Illinois. Darien, Illinois. At a Miskatonic Brewery. Uh, Some good friends here have let us hang out, and uh, we've got a great opportunity to talk with David Lassine. Uh, David is a chair for the C12 Group, which is a national organization, uh, but he helps lead the Chicagoland area branch of it, and he just helps leaders connect their work with their faith. And uh, you'll hear a little bit of his backstory and how he's done that. It's a it's a wonderful conversation. Yeah, it's perfect for us because that's what we're trying to do for everybody. Help yeah. them connect what they're doing in life with their faith. All that yeah, kind of stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll really enjoy it. Uh, but before we do, I've got a fast question for you. Fast question. Okay, fast question. <laughs> uh, you recently were in my truck and you were wearing your mask, which I'm really appreciate. I was protecting Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, but you were not wearing your seatbelt. And even stuck after, it to the man. Yeah, and even after my truck decided to send a message to you that your seatbelt was off, you continued <laughs> to ride in my truck without we were your seatbelt. driving one hundred yards. Enough, fair enough. Fair enough. What? But 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 it was off, and so it made me go. I hope I don't get pulled over. And then I thought, I wonder how many times Nathan's actually been pulled over. So here's my question: How many times have you been pulled over? More than five. <laughs> less that than was ten. Nice. More than five. Less than ten. <laughs> So like and I got my license suspended once. That's a great for story. For about six months. And what happened? I'll tell it really quickly because you want this to be fast for yeah, some fast reason. fast answer. So I was driving fast, driving through Atlanta, Georgia. I was in college, and I got pulled over. I paid the ticket thinking my dad will never find out if I just pay my ticket. Went home for Christmas, got a letter in the mail. My dad opens it. Sure enough, he finds out. I paid my ticket, which meant his insurance that he was paying for was going up. And my, sus- my suspended license for six months. What did your dad do with the letter? Oh, I don't know what he did with the letter, didn't but I know under, what he did with me. He did, was not happy. Didn't he put it under the Christmas no, tree? he did not put it under the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> but I rode a bike for six oh, months. It was man. awesome. Hey, Thanks guys, for asking. Enjoy the conversation. Well, David, it's so good to have you with us, bro. Great to be here. Yeah. We are, we're at a good place. We're at Miskatonic. Miskatonic. Uh, yeah, kind of nice. I like the name. I had trouble finding it, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> it is cool. The sun is setting. It's a it's a beautiful evening outside here this it evening. It is. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Great. Good to be here. Yeah. So for those of you who have never met you, or maybe have heard your name but don't know much about you, can you take us back? What what? Where did you grow up? What's a little bit of your history? Well, take uh, us back as far as you want to go. Uh, let's see. Boy, that's a long time <laughs> as far as you before go, you were man. born, brother. Okay, that's fine. If you got to go back that far. You so, can. Uh, I like to say that I was um, the first 12 years of my life, I lived in a suburb of Berwyn. If, does anyone know where Berwyn is? So, <laughs> I have no a clue. Suburb I know, of Berwyn. I know where Berwyn is. I have no bad. clue. It's called Stickney, Illinois. Stickney. Stickney. <laughs> so who wants to come from a place like Stickney? <laughs> I think I had I had Stickney when I was a kid. <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> there you go. go ahead, it does sorry. sound like a disease or something, it does. doesn't it? It does, it does, it does. But I got out of there about uh, at age 12. We actually, our family moved, which was pretty traumatic for me being in the same little yeah. neighborhood. And, and then 12, all of a sudden... So, yeah. yeah, seventh grade. Yeah. So, actually, in seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth grade, I was in different schools. Jeez. So, we, we moved to the state of Maine and uh, felt like I was displaced a bit for uh, for a few years because then you go to eighth grade, you're there, then you're in high school, and then, then we moved back to, uh, to the area in Elmhurst. The state of Maine. So, the state of Maine. Can Lob- anything good lobster? come out of the state of Maine? Lobster? Right? Did you eat a lot of lobster? I didn't, but I did did have it, and I still like it. 
Well, Chad, how many times did you move around as a kid? I feel like uh, I'm. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Easily ten. Yeah, it feels like that. Yeah. Yeah, I moved around yeah. a lot too, and yeah. we like to say that's what made us. You know the weird made people. Us crazy. That we are. That's yeah. what made us okay. crazy. Yeah, yeah. There you so go. we understand. We get you. You're in good company. Buddy. So yeah, that's good to know. That's good to know. So uh, raised in a Catholic family, and uh, that could mean anything to anybody. Mm. For what some it mean people, to you? what was it like for you? So for <laughs> us, it really meant Catholic school for the first uh, through seventh grade, um, and so uh, we had the we had the Lithuanian nuns who were. When they'd get upset with us. So my mom was Lithuanian, so understood Lithuanian. So every so often I'd come home <laughs> and I'd say, what does this word mean, Mom? Oh, <laughs> <You know? God. laughs> the one I remember. The that went well. The one I remember. <laughs> the nun used this was, word. Was uh, the word for stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Can you still and say I, it? I think she was, I think it was called, it was like Joplinski, something like that. I'm like, and I'm writing it down. I'm trying to, you know, and I'm like. That's great, man. The nun was just looking at us and. That's not, good. Not happy with the class, so it wasn't just directed to me. It, it pertained to all of us. Sure. And I'm like, okay. At least I thought it pertained yeah. to all of us, right. maybe. Sure, sure, sure. But, uh, but one of the things about that upbringing was there was a sense that God was real. Hmm. And so you, you can talk to people with that kind of background. It can mean anything. For us, we, God was pretty central in our family's life. Hmm. We knew it was important, and then... Uh, in later years, that kind of formed and shaped into a personal relationship with Christ. Um, but through through that trauma, it was not until really college where I felt like, okay, we've all we're all foreigners here, and now we have an even start. And, hmm. and uh, went through college to uh, figure out what is the minimum amount of effort and work I can do in order to get through here and still get <laughs> decent grades. Sounds familiar. Um, so, Sounds very is so that, familiar. Is that a principle you would suggest you have for the rest of your it life? Is, is it is not one like? I okay. carry okay. with I me I now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're wondering why you're interviewing me. Yeah, like, exactly. Where'd this guy come hey, from? Hey, you mentioned um, that, that God was important in your family. Did did your parents do anything specific that made you come away with that realization? Um, and was that a good important? Like, did you come away feeling like, yeah, I like God? Yeah, you know it, I mean? it felt like it was a good and important thing. But uh, like so many, uh, I certainly drifted hmm. in in the years that uh, uh, in college trying to figure it out. Sure. Um, but came back actually early in the college years to a personal relationship with Christ. And that was a time in the 70s uh, where there was a what we would call the Jesus movement going on. Oh, yeah. Tell people and about so that. so that was a profound time of, uh, I would say, revival, particularly mm-hmm. among the young people. You went through the 60s where in five years you had three assassinations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of today is all this mm-hmm. disruption. No one knows what the future is. There's violence in the streets. There's questions of uncertainty and volatility consistently. Right, right. And that happened in the 60s. And then in the 70s, what happened? There was a, I'd say, significant revival of people looking to uh, for a greater reason to live and a greater purpose. Wow. And so I was swept up in that. Uh, and it changed my life, uh, coming into a relationship with Christ. And uh, How did that happen? Can you Can you delve into that a little bit more? Was it the Jesus movement? Was it, and if so, describe that to people who don't know what it is. Well, I would say it was the Jesus movement, and on campus there was campus at the time they called it uh, they call it Crew today, but it was Campus Crusade for okay. Christ was involved kind of thing. And so yeah. uh, I remember one conversation where someone was 
quizzing me about, hey, why should you uh, tell me why you think you'd go to heaven? I'm like, well, hey, oh I'm a decent gosh. guy. Yeah. Uh, Did they walk know, up to you at lunch I'm not and killing say- people? <laughs> Sounds like a I'm good not, lunch conversation. Yeah, it was worse. so they yeah. were. He was pretty bold, yeah. and because uh, my older brother was involved in it, who I did not quite. We had two. We were at the same college, but completely different experiences. Mm. In fact, I'm like, do you know what's really going on here in yeah. the dorms? I mean, yeah. it was, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, um, but those kind of questions start really um, helping me to seek and look mm. and. Um, took a while, but really, then came into a relationship with Christ, and and really in a movement, I'd say in our in our campus there, hmm. uh, that kind of swept me up in it, and uh, formed and shaped me. Hmm. And then you start reading the Bible for the first time, and it's looking like, whoa, um, there's a lot here. So yeah. that's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot that's here. There's a lot I still don't understand, but I mean, that's good. Um, but it was it really formed and shaped me, and uh, and then after that got married um, shortly after uh, from um, someone else who was also swept up in that hmm. similar movement came out of a lot of brokenness, and uh, we thought that's all you needed is is your faith and we'll be good to go. And we realized there's a lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you mean what? Uh, I got to do dishes. So, yeah, what? <laughs> what's this about? <laughs> so, uh, but you know, we had a profound experience. I'd love to share uh, yeah. that happened um, back in those early years of marriage because there was points, and there's. I think we always have points, even after you come to a deeper faith. Yeah, you were newer Christians and yeah. questioning, wondering. Gosh, I didn't know it'd be difficult. I thought it was all going to be good after right, this. Right, you follow Jesus. And um, so I was reading a book called "Hear His Voice," mm-hmm. uh, and it was a guy who actually um, felt like every so often he'd be inclined to to sense something from God and write it down and share it with whoever he was with, and it would always be some crazy things that he couldn't relate to, um, that he had no idea <laughs> what he was talking about, but. It ministered to people, and uh, so I'm like, you know, Robin, I think we should go to this church and, and hear this guy speaking in Wheaton, and uh, let's let's go hear what he has to say, because this is, this is strange. This is unique. So we walk into this church, and late as usual, um, never been to this church before, and never have been there since, but walk <laughs> into the church, and this guy is speaking up front. And I'll tell you a little bit more about him afterwards, what I found out. But um, he'd always be careful to say, you know, he'd be praying before the service and just feel an inclination for something and write it down. So we walk in. We're a young couple, a little disillusioned, like, God, where are you? Yeah. We walk in, and he's, he's up speaking, and he stops, and he says, you know, I have it right here. And he had it written down. Woman in a blue scarf and man walk in. And he says, I got a scripture verse for you. I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> Wait, who was wearing I'm who like, was wearing this what? This is good. Yeah, who was wearing what? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I, I don't know who scarf? was wearing I don't know what I was wearing, but she had the scarf on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good question. But anyway, we walked up there, and he says, I have a scripture for you. I'm like, great. You know, God's going to bless us with something. So this scripture verse, though, it it's really is a life verse 
that I'm not sure anyone else has or would choose to have, but it was Exodus 112. And we all know you're a pastor, uh, Chad. You know Quote what it, Chad. What's Exodus 112? Oh, I'll do it right now. No one knows what it is. And the Lord sent locusts. No. <laughs> yeah. You're very close. <laughs> you're very close, Nathan. Yeah. So it was actually Exodus 112. is talking about the uh, Hebrew people. And it says, as they were afflicted, hmm. they multiplied and grew. Hmm. And... Uh, I'm wow. like, what else you got? Wow. Can I can I have a different one? Give yeah. me another. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're thinking he's like, and I'm like, but it was a profound moment for us realizing and being reminded through our life that um, through difficulties, through challenges, and <laughs> and whoever's listening to this may be going through some of those things right now. Right, right. God has a plan, <laughs> and it is not to harm us, but to do something deeper in our life. That could be a value. And uh, it's interesting because within the next uh, year and a half, we had uh, both our fathers passed away in their 50s. And we had a, a pretty serious car accident that we were involved in. My wife ended up in the hospital. My mm-hmm. son, who was 17 months old, ended up with a broken femur. Mm-hmm. Uh, had to learn to walk again. And so um, as we look back, uh, and every so often we forget about that scripture, and then something happens, and we're reminded, you know what? God means something good amidst the difficulties and challenges of life. So, you know, David, one of the reasons why we've enjoyed the opportunity to sit with you is because of your connection to C12. So what is C12? Uh, wh- how are you involved with C12? What is that? Well, C12 Group is a business roundtable, like a personal board of directors for Christian business owners and CEOs. And... We're about building great businesses for a greater purpose. Hmm. And C12 is actually the largest Christian CEO network in the country, so probably means in the world. (laughs) Um, And I'm a C12 chair. So C12 chairs facilitate board these advisory board meetings and meet one-on-one with business owners, uh, walking through life with them, in terms of their issues. So you're meeting a lot of business owners in the Chicago area. A lot of, a lot of business maybe owners. Maybe even outside of Chicago area, right? Yes. And um, you're reminding me what you talked about with ambiguity uh, of a segment we just had recently that we went through called VUCA, which is something the military has used. Uh, how do you deal we know with VUCA? Vo- we know you VUCA know very well. We know you guys know about VUCA. VUCA. So yeah, volu- know. Anyone uh, working anywhere right now knows VUCA. <laughs> Volatility, uncertainty, yeah. complexity, ambiguity. Yeah. So I figured you might when you're yeah. talking about the ambiguity. Yeah. And I'm always talking about the volatility and uncertainty. Yes, because but here especially you have, now. I've- you have business owners that are just um, the uncertainty. Hmm. How do you make a decision when there's uncertainty? How do you uh, make a decision when there's isolation? Um, And so one of the benefits and and the beauty of C12 is that these business owners are not in isolation. They're around. We're sharing both virtually and in person. How do we deal with this? What are other business owners doing? And how do we flow out of this with a message of the gospel? Hmm. You talk about as you said, Exodus one twelve. as they were afflicted, they multiplied and grew. It's certainly a principle for today sure. with business owners is how do you grow? How do you multiply when everything seems to be blowing against you? And it is amazing. And it it's amazing that if you're not leaning into help from beyond yourself, help from others and help from God, how difficult is it to navigate and uh, where do you get your answers from? Right. 
So uh, that's been the C12 journey, which I think has certainly increased in value for our members during times yeah. of uncertainty and volatility is what do you do? How do you do it? And so our meetings not only have advice, counsel, input from peers, but also curriculum and also a time of open forum where people can can say, hey, here's an issue I have. What do you all think I should do? What are some of my options? What are, what's the upside or downside with the way I'm going to go? What are, what are some of the biggest issues that business owners are facing right now? Other, I mean, other than saying COVID. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, and what kinds of VUCA are they dealing with that you've seen? Well, you know what? I think the uncertainty has proven to be the biggest thing for business mm-hmm. owners. How do you of the how do you make a decision when you don't know what the future is going to be? Yeah. How do you make a decision when you thought this might be over in sixty or ninety days, and now we're and we thought the summer would blow it away, and it would be and the now, opposite. Now we're headed for the flu season, right? Uh, and so, um, for many, it has caused them to take a look and say, "What do I need to do differently? How do I adapt?" And you know, the the, the comfort of uh, having a God who's a creator mm-hmm. and creative ideas is, Lord, share your creativity with me. Help me to be, adapt. Yeah. And so, hearing stories from our business owners about how they're adapting, how they're turning a different page, how they're looking at the future. What about your personal life, like your marriage as a parent? Has there been a time when you've felt VUCA and you've had to rely on God in the middle of it? Not just with C12. Move beyond C12. So, Nathan, that is a tremendous question. He's and I refuse to answer he's under the grounds that. that I might be incriminated. <laughs> other, other, <laughs> than, other than the first year of your marriage. No. Well, <laughs> no, I will tell you this. We, uh, we have been through the valley in our relationship. Right. Uh, we were separated twice wow. uh, over our life. At one point, I thought that there's no way that this can be repaired. Um, How many years were you married before that? Before we were, that was... Uh, it was probably 10, 12 years into our marriage. Man. And uh, it was really, really uh, tough. I remember going through that valley where I'm like, Lord, I can't. Pr-. The only thing I could pray is the Lord's Prayer, hmm. which every Catholic knows the Lord's Prayer. So <laughs> I went back to my roots. Yeah. It's like, Lord, I don't even know how to pray. I sure. don't know what to pray for. But. Um, that's part of our story that God has shaped us and formed us. My wife's my best friend, hmm. and uh, she'd say the same thing about me, too, hopefully, uh, based on what day it is. She's no. the next no. episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, can you talk to the guy that's listening right now who's in a similar scenario? Maybe they're not separated physically, but they feel separated in their own home, you know? Well, I, I will tell you there is always hope, hmm. and um, I remember being really— and one of the, a person who's one of my closest friends, who's also a social worker and counselor, I remember him talking to me and say, "Dave, sometimes when you want it to work, even then it doesn't." And I'm like, "Even he's given up." But you know what, God? And I've reminded him of that a number yeah, of times. I bet you have. I'm like, um, and we we laugh about it now, thankfully. But um, God didn't give up, mm-hmm. and um, that's all I can say is we hung in there long enough for God to do what only God can do and restore, repair, and bring it to completely new levels 
an appreciation where we've been able to, uh, through the years, minister to a lot of couples that are struggling and say, well, let us tell you a story. Yeah. How God can heal and uh, not only heal. And, you know, this is the other thing. And I'm sure there's people listening that can relate to this. There's, there's a number of types of marriages, but one of them is you're both together, but you're really not right. you're in not the same. Together. You're not together. Yeah. You're both isolated and right. feeling lonely. Right. And um, one of our themes uh, has been uh, hope for the hopeless, but going from good to great. Don't settle for a mediocre relationship with someone you're going to be with for a long time. But how, how, what do you need to do to bring that to a new level? And thank God um, we have uh, experienced a lot of that. Hmm. Yeah, we had somebody on... How many episodes ago was Justin on, Chad? Ozinga. Maybe three episodes ago, and, and he went through a similar season, not in his marriage, but in his personal life, and counseling was a big deal for him. I know Justin. Yeah. yeah. Can, can, can oh, you? Oh, yeah, you do know Justin. Yeah, yeah. Can you at least speak to the counseling aspect of things and the importance of it? Not, not just trying to do it on your own, but going to see somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will encourage people uh, in that vein a lot of times to say, you know what? It takes courage to go to counseling and say, I need right. help. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's a strong thing to do, not a weak thing to do. When you need help to go say, hey, do I want to settle for mediocrity? And so we had a lot of help over the years. And, you know, that help you carry it with you for a lifetime because the things you learn. Yeah, why, why is it so hard to ask for help? Why is it hard? You know, uh, don't we all want to say we've got our act together? Yes. Yeah. Don't we all want to yes. convey the uh, what I call the glittering image mm-hmm. that and, and not admit that we have are broken, have been broken, and continue to be uh, moving out of that brokenness for a lifetime? Hmm. And so uh, I think that's one of the... Th- things that the Lord reminds me of is never forget where I brought you from. And that, you know, there's a hymn that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We all have that tendency. Or maybe you're listening to me and you say you don't. I have that tendency. (laughs) I do. So so let me personalize it. But but without that reminder, encircling ourselves with other people, we are all prone to drift. And you can drift a little bit, and then it can be a little more and a little more. And before you know it, you, you've totally lost your direction. Hmm. Yeah. And so uh, I've, that's, I've had that experience. We've had that experience. And um, certainly want to continue to lean into people, lean into a community that can be supportive, helpful. And um, particularly today, who, you know, we are almost being forced into isolation and that is dangerous for anybody. Is uh, you start talking to yourself and think you have the answers, <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah, right. So you know, it's so encouraging. I think, at least for me, to sit here and have a conversation with you, and to talk with a guy who's further down the road than I am, and yet still admits I'm broken, and I need God. Right. <laughs> uh, let Let me ask you this: as you forecast your life, as you look ahead. What are some things that you're dreaming about? What, what's going through David's mind as he looks into the future about what your life might be? Or, you know, what, what are you dreaming about these days? Well, I'll tell you the first thing I think about yeah. is finishing well. Yeah. I mean, I'm That's in good. that second half and, uh, and probably the second three-fourths. Who knows, you know. 
Um, but this season reminds me of that and that um, constantly to be on guard to finish well and to do all uh, I can to finish well. I, I have, uh, there, there's a lot of people that watch, are always watching us way more than we know. And um, what do you do with that in terms of uh, the constant need? I mean, every day to wake up and say, Lord, I need you today. I need you today to to lean into you and to just look at what I have before me in the day. If I'm going to do this on my own, people don't need more of Dave Lacine. <laughs> they need more of something much greater than that. Yes. And what I would say, Christ in me, Christ through me, you know, use that, Lord. Um, and so many times I know I don't have the answer, but there's wisdom that can come that's beyond uh, what any of us have. <laughs> it takes a lot of humility to get there, you know? Um, how, I mean, you were successful in business, right? Yeah. Successful in business. Um, we might have some guys listening, some women listening that, you know, they're successful in business. Um, how have you leveraged that success in business for the kingdom, uh, for God's family? I think that's important for people to hear. Well, let me, before I answer that, let me talk about success in business. There you go. Um, because that's, that's really interesting. What, what does that really mean? I'm surrounded by individuals, uh, business owners, all the time talking to them one-on-one who appear to be successful and in many ways are. In the world's eyes, yeah. In the world's eyes and even around the table, I have people that come and and visit our group to consider joining and they're looking and like, oh my gosh, I don't belong here. All these people have their act together. I'm like, you don't know the half of it. I meet one-on-one with each of these and everybody, everybody is on the road to uh, either getting better, uh, lifelong learning, I, you know, and if there's not a position of humility about that, uh, they probably wouldn't want to be around a C12 table mm. because it's like, well, I know it all. I, I have it all, and I'm a business owner because I don't want anybody telling me what to do. But when someone's uh, been doing that for a while, uh, there's a certain emptiness that one can encounter. Certainly, I did. I felt like I had things going real well on paper, but I, the best way I could describe it and my journey into working in C12, I was in the insurance industry uh, doing mergers and acquisitions, and things looked good. Things were good. Um, but there was something gnawing at me that, is this it? Hmm. Is this all there is? And there was opportunities for ministry there for encouraging people and all kinds of things. But I felt like there was something more that God had. And I think a lot of business owners are in that position where they're saying, is there, isn't there a greater purpose for what I'm doing? Is it just about making money and making more than the next right, guy? And right. comparing to who wins, who's making the most money. And um, any C12 member will tell you there's a lot more to it. And for many, we'll get energized realizing there is a greater purpose for what I do. And it's not just to see how much I can make because it's never, ever going to feel like it's enough um, because we're fallen beings. Right. Unless you can convert that into, I'm doing this for a greater purpose. So if I was in a secular roundtable, I could tell somebody, hey, I think I can help you get from here to there. But to get from here to there might be even a bad thing. If it means you're going to get three more seasonal dwellings and two more Porsches, 
and it's going to be a further distraction from what's really important in life. Now, if I'm sitting with someone, I want to tell them, I want you to be the biggest, best possible business you can so that you can have greater influence in the kingdom of God. Hmm. It's a big difference. I could not be energized and impassioned telling someone I can get you from here to there if there's not a purpose behind it. Yeah. There is a purpose, and it's for greater influence in the kingdom. And that doesn't necessarily mean size either. I was just with a company uh, that's actually doing their presentation tomorrow, and I'm just going to pull out a sheet that uh, I just was reviewing because he's giving this presentation tomorrow. And this is a small business 20 i think he's got 29 employees. are you about to read his presentation because uh, if i am we're in trouble but no i just there's one he's page that's called uh what's the kingdom impact through the business and i always am telling our business owners even the smallest business influences potentially thousands of people thousands right so this uh business has uh 32, 29 employees, and three long-term contractors. And then he's talking about his ministry impact. They have uh, created a uh, version reading plan. That's uh, 95,000 people have looked at. Hmm. 206,000 views on Facebook, see their uh, Bible-centric Facebook posts. 31,000 people participate monthly in our, their online Bible studies. 235,000 more than that, uh, books sold last year that help people read, engage, and apply the Bible. Hmm. And then they are a, a uh, editor of Bibles, 30 million Bibles distributed last year that were proofread by their organization. Wow. That's a, that's a small company. Yeah. 30 million people potentially impacted by their work. Um, and so you may be listening out there and thinking, what am I doing? What's this all about? And there is a greater potential purpose that anybody can have um, if they lean into the possibility that Christ exists, that God is real, and there's a greater purpose and calling on one's life. And so um, that's why I ended up shifting over to C12 and many thinking that was kind of insane. It's like you're starting (laughs) over at this stage. You ought to be retiring. Yeah. And... um, but there was a greater purpose involved and, a, and a, a yearning that, Lord, I know you have something more. And so um, that example just astounded me when I read it today. I'm like, here, this little entity is impacting potentially millions of people by the work of their hands. Hmm. So for anyone listening, it could be two people in an organization. And it may impact thousands of people. It's good. Love it. Love it. You know, if you're listening right now to this conversation and you're feeling like you don't know why you're doing what you're doing and you just want to have someone to talk to, you know, Nathan and I are here. You can email us at uh, on the spot at parkviewchurch.com. We would love to connect with you. Um, and then, you know, if you don't have plans this weekend, maybe maybe you do. But if you don't, you can always check us out at parkviewchurch.tv for our weekend services. We'd yeah. love to connect with you. Yeah, help you find some of that purpose that's that we're right. talking about. That's right. Yeah. And you know there's other ways to connect to it. Uh, Parkview on the go, right, Nathan? Parkviewchurch.com slash on the go. Yeah, and why, what, what, what's on there? A whole bunch we got of other po- podcasts. We got other podcasts. This isn't the only one. That's right, man. Yeah. So, yeah, we'd love to connect with you. If you've got any questions, let us know. But, David, it's been great to have you, man. Yeah. Great to be really, here. We really appreciate Thank having you. you. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks for sharing your story. Appreciate it.